Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl Mitzi, and this is Mitzi. Let's think about it today. We are thinking about cybersecurity with how much technology has been evolving. Cybersecurity is a great topic to think about because it's not really thought about. So, luckily for me, I have a special guest on the show, Robert. Do you is it really our snake? Is that what you really go by? Or literally half the people I know call me that; the other half call me Robert. So, you, your choice. <laughs> well, quick question then: Why? How did you get our snake as a, as a nickname then? Because that's, well, that's that's a weird nickname to have. It sure is. Um, I've I've had it for almost thirty years now. Um, it's just one of those old hacker handles, and uh, oh, okay. And it uh, it came from role playing games, and and then when I got my first Unix account, my professor said it had to and the the username had to contain my name because they didn't want to be called like something random. So I said, well, you don't know what my middle name is. It could be Snake, so our Snake it is, and so. <laughs> <laughs> and it's stuck. All right. I like it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, in, it's pretty simple. But um, mm-hmm. I guess to get back to the topic, what, in your opinion, do you see cybersecurity as something very massive? Because in my mind, I feel like it's it has to be a bigger spectrum than what we all think it is. You know, it's more than just that security and click that I'm a robot and tell me how many signs you see like what really is in is that in-depthness of cybersecurity that we all don't know about well it encompasses everything uh everything everywhere and so on the on the very 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 small for instance you have quantum computing um which could theoretically break encryption algorithms so you're contacting your bank and if somebody was in the middle and they could uh, decrypt that connection. They could watch you transferring money around or transfer your money for you uh, without your permission. Uh, on the very, 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 very large, you have astrophysics. And astrophysics, you might have a quasar that's billions of light years away that goes off and it shoots a high energy particle and it hits the RAM in your computer and it flips a zero to a one. So you go to a different website instead of the one you're wanting to go to. So literally from the smallest thing we know of to the very largest we know of, it impacts all kinds of things. Wow, that seems so scary and so interesting. It's it's a whole different world when you explain it in that aspect because you also involve like the black market and people smuggling these these this contact information. And do you think um having you know because nowadays every device ha- holds their password? Is that smart to actually save your password to the to each device, or is it better to just type it in each time because it's kind of curious if you lose your device then you kind of screwed right you know it, it really comes down to your paranoia and <laughs> what your threat is so if the threat is someone sitting right next to you you probably don't want to be typing in your password because they'll see you typing in your password and know your password now if your threat is uh potentially something on device doing something bad well maybe you want to have to enter your password so that the thing can't just arbitrarily run whatever command you want. So unfortunately, it's not as black and white as there is a right answer. It really depends on the scenario. So for instance, I have on my phone set up uh, to do face ID because one of my biggest threats is people looking over my shoulder and seeing the password I type in. But every single thing I would log into from there is very likely hooked up to a second factor authentication. So even if you knew the password, it doesn't really matter because you still have to get that one-time token. 
Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I guess what made you dive into cybersecurity? I mean, this, this cyber world, I mean, what, what piqued your interest? I've always been interested in it since basically the very beginning. Um, I started watching like war games and uh, movies, hackers and uh, sneakers and a bunch of things kind of just came out when I was kind of just getting started. So that all was very interesting to me. But I think for me, the intellectual puzzle, uh, it is, there is nothing maybe other than moral philosophy or something that is as broad and as deep as computer security. Uh, it is possibly the most difficult intellectual profession on the planet. Uh, because as I said, it entails everything everywhere, um, for everything from geopolitics, uh, to how people interact with things. You have to understand, you know, neuropsychology. I mean, it's, it's Mm -hmm. as deep as you want to go in almost every dimension you could possibly think about. So I tend to, um, sort of gravitate toward things I think, uh, are going to be intellectually challenging. And this was certainly the most intellectually challenging thing I could come up with. Be honest, I can honestly say that's right because I'm over here hearing you speak and I'm just like, I have my questions, but they seem so simple and like <laughs> dust on the surface compared to what really is cybersecurity. You speak about the indefiniteness and the broadness of what it is and how far it can really go. And I know um, when I was reading up on what you sent me, it seems like you have a, a wide variety of knowledge in different areas and it's it's kind of amazing. I mean, you being a hacker, um, I mean, how hard is it to really hack into somebody else's, like, people say it's harder to hack into someone's device than it is to hack into someone's internet connection. Is that right? I mean, like, internet home base. This certainly depends on the device and situation. Uh, sometimes it, sometimes that could be definitely the opposite, just you know, kind of depends. If, I, if I'm sitting right next to you and I have physical access to the device and I'm watching you type in your password or I have access to your biometrics, it's significantly easier than, let's say, trying to break into your home device without you noticing, let's say. Um, but remotely, it's kind I would say it's a bit of a flip of a coin. It depends on the device, depends on the situation. One of the experts that I came up with years and years ago now was basically leveraging your browser when you're going off and looking at something on the internet. You'd accidentally contact my website or contact a website that I control, and I would force your browser to connect to your internal device behind the firewall and hack it on my behalf. Um, Something called internet port scanning or internet port hacking. And uh, in that context, it was very easy. There was one botnet that effectively did almost exactly that Um, and they leveraged one of five passwords, just sort of default passwords that uh, internal routers tend to use, like 123456 and 1234 and that kind of stuff, like super common default passwords. And they hacked into over 1 million different internet connections using that uh, botnet. So that's not just a million machines, that's a million networks. So every machine behind that network is also potentially compromised Mm -hmm. as a result. So it really depends on the situation. Wow. I mean, it's very intriguing because you are speaking about it as if, like, you had to do this at some point, you know? I mean, like you've had to hack into these type of scenarios. Like, you are, you seem very knowledgeable, and it's, it's kind of intimidating because I feel very unknowledgeable <laughs> in this area. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I feel very unknowledgeable, and I don't, I don't know what 
I can say that can really bring it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel stumped. Like, and I've never gotten stumped before. <laughs> to be honest, like, this is my first time I've been stumped. So it's just like, wow. Because I, I, I dabbled in IT and I'm kind of trying to figure out the coding world and I'm kind of stuck. But that's interesting to me. But when you speak about cybersecurity, it's just like, it seems like it's a whole different type of ocean, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With different parts and different animals and different everything that, that you're dealing with. And it's, and what's confusing to me is that what, what's the point of these firewalls then? You know what I'm saying? Because if you can hack into it or somebody else can hack into it, then I mean, what's the real, what's the real point of having these, these so-called firewalls and protected messages and all these other things, if it's still obtainable to anyone that is that knowledgeable that they can do this. That, that's actually a really good question. And yes. I, I think it actually comes down well, it, because the, the answer is complicated in an interesting way. So it's sort of like, why do you need locks in your doors when, you know, a bad guy could take an ax to it and open it up? So okay. you still you still have there's still some point in it. Um, it stops the average person from accidentally going into let's say the wrong house. They you know they're drunk. They come home one night. They thought that's their house. They go in the wrong house. Like oh, and they can't get in. They're like oh wait, where am I? I'm like I'm in the wrong house. So you stop an altercation that might have occurred just by virtue of locking your doors. You can also stop you know miscreant kids from you know just going over and trying every door, and then they're like oh I can come in real quick and nab something and run away or whatever. Um, so you're not going to stop the determined adversary. You're not going to stop the Navy SEALs from, you know, going through and crashing through and, you know, taking whatever they want, right? I mean, that's a different threat scenario. So what I'm talking about uh, when I came up with these exploits, this is for much more sophisticated adversaries. These are the kinds of people who, uh, nation states that you have to worry about, as opposed to the average sort of low-level cyber criminal who is really just point and clicking. They're, they're running uh, code that other people have written. They might have a special payload that they want to run, like like I want to send out millions of emails of this kind of email, let's say, you know, Viagra spam or whatever it is, um, or they have a phishing campaign or something that's unique. That's the part that they're going to make money on. But they, they don't develop the exploits. They don't develop the kits. You know, that, that's, a, that's a whole other group that they buy that from. So those guys, the guys who build those kits, um, they might leverage code that I have come up with or an exploit that I've generated so that they can run that millions of times. They're not going to do it themselves, though. They'll hand that off to the other people, as I said. So there's sort of layers of people you need to think about when you're a threat scenario. And generally speaking, once it becomes in, once you can download and run exploits, and just run it arbitrarily on any computer you want. It may be successful, maybe not. That's at the point at which it's the door rattling. That's everybody is just rattling the door and seeing if it's open. If it's not, they're not going to go any further. Um, when you get to nation states like the military trying to break into your personal machine because you're a scientist with some special knowledge of some, you know a nuclear accelerator or something, uh, then you have a very different threat profile. Now, the caveat to that is um, I've been asked to go work in scenarios where I've been building weaponized malware for nation states. And their conjecture is uh, the Chinese military, for instance, have something called million grains of sand. It's basically the, the doctrine is you may not be able to attack the general that you're after. He's super secure. Maybe he's not even online at all. There's no way to attack him. But you can attack you know, the person who cleans his house or his nephew or 
you know, the babysitter who's going to have to, you know, take care of the kids while he's deployed. And he's going to send an email to the, to the babysitter or whatever and say, Hey, I'm going to need you to take care of the kid for two weeks or whatever. And that person's in charge of the 10th fleet. And you know that they're going to be deployed because if he's leaving for that long, they're going to be moving ship treatments, uh, troop movements around or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you have to analyze your threat and context of everybody around you as well. So it's not just your, you know, personal, like, I don't want people knowing what kind of porn I look like, uh, look at. It's also all of like everyone else's secrets around you that you need to protect. And that's your real sort of, uh, thing you need to think about in terms of what kind of door locks you use and what kind of security software you use, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense when you put it in that scenario. I appreciate you um, putting it in a visual context because I'm a visual person. So to see it the way that you said, knocking on doors and having locks, I mean, that made a lot more sense to me. So thank you for dumbing it down. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like at, at depending on where you're at and what the scenario is and what your threat is, it kind of seems like you can be very vulnerable if you are not if you're not cautious. Is that right? That's absolutely true. And vulnerability means different things to different people. Uh, Some people, it might mean their credit card. Some people, it might mean their family members. Some might be some secret that they're holding or someone else's secret that they're holding. So you kind of have to take it in context of what the, both the threat actor is, what the person's most likely to do, as well as what you're trying to stop them from doing. And those two things may never line up, in which case you're probably fine. But when they do line up, that's really bad. That's that's when you really have a lot to worry about. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, what would be some knowledge that you can possibly provide me that, you know, that is... That is useful when trying to understand cybersecurity besides what you've already told me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the number one thing that is useful is try to think like your adversary. And you probably don't have one adversary, unfortunately. You probably have, you know, call it three or four different types of adversary. You have your insider adversary, you know, let's say a, a jealous ex boyfriend or something, you know, uh, or somebody who's kind of nearby who could have physical access to your things is kind of a creep and wants to and could physically break in because they know where you live and they care about you specifically right that's one kind of threat actor then you have might have sort of like a uh like a business type of threat actor somebody is trying to break into your company or uh they see you as a rival in terms of um how you're able to um you know, produce, let's say you're a cookie factory or something like your secret recipe. They're going after, they're not after you. They don't care about you, but they are after a thing that you have control over of access to sort of a different sort of directed actor. Um, You have to think in the context of the nation states for obvious reasons, but then also the door rattlers, just like is, are you, have you left a whole bunch of windows unlocked at your house? Like, well, you know, if somebody's walking by and they notice the door is unlocked or the window could easily be lifted up, well, you know, that invites some things as opposed to, you know, you have a dog outside and a fe- like privacy fence and security alarm with, with a thing that says, hey, we're protected by security. You know, a bad guy's going to look at that and go, eh, that's just not worth it. I mean, I could probably still break in, but there's easier targets. You know, one door down, I could just, you know, take everything they have. So, uh, you, if you think like the adversary and you're like, okay, what would this adversary want from me? How would they attack me? 
and then you have the proper defenses that you think are worth it. Now, Microsoft had a, a paper that they called, I'm going to get this slightly wrong, but it was basically uh, so long and no thanks for the externalities, a rational rejection of computer security. And basically the whole premise of the paper was um, security costs something. It costs you time to implement it. So on average, should people um, implement it, given the fact that it costs time and money compared to how much they will lose if the bad thing happens. And most people, when the bad thing happens, it's just a stolen credit card. So they call up their uh, bank or whatever, their credit card company and say, hey, it's a stolen credit card, unwind these charges. And if you sum up the amount of time that they lose from that process, including resetting up recurring billing with all of the companies that they had it set up with before, you know, it's like a couple hundred bucks or something. It's not terribly expensive. Um, it's still time wasted, but it's time wasted that is uh, accumulating to a very small dollar amount, um, given the average person makes slightly over minimum wage. Now, uh, if you were to spend $300 on securing your system, you would have actually lost $100. Um, now, the caveat to that, the, the thing that Microsoft's paper did not account for is if you are holding other people's secrets, that is a big problem. Um, I was talking with this one billionaire this one time, and it, he was just, I didn't know he was a billionaire. He was just kind of at a, in a green room behind a, at a conference. And he had all these sycophants around him, just you know, like, you know, just like trying to like get to know him or whatever. And, uh, and he said, like, I don't care about security. I don't care about privacy. You know, you can do everything. You can do anything you want to me. Like, it doesn't matter at all. And I'm, I did again, didn't know who he was. I'm like, give me your wallet. And he's like, what? And he's, he's kind of like starting to reach for his wallet. Like you might actually do it. And I'm like, yeah, just give, give me your wallet. He's like, why? Wait, why? I'm like, cause I'm going to take the, a photo of the front and back of every single thing in your wallet. And I'm going to post it to my 30, 40,000 hacker friends on Twitter. And I'm going to say, this guy doesn't believe that any negative thing could happen to him uh, if his privacy is, you know, is ruined or whatever. And so here's all this information. Feel free to do whatever you want to prove him wrong. And he put his hand back out of his pocket <laughs> because what he realized in that moment is his kids are in danger. His livelihood's in danger. His bank account's in danger. Like this is a billionaire who will now have thousands of hackers who know where he lives and know everything they need to know about him to go and extract that money or hurt him or hurt his family. So you have to think about it in context of who you are and what situation you're in and who the adversaries would be if you did something like that. Like that guy was incredibly foolish. And furthermore, anybody who says, I don't have any secrets is foolish. If you don't have any secrets, either you have lived a very, very, very boring life or you shouldn't be trusted with any secrets and no one should tell you anything because you're just going to tell that secret to somebody else. So your secrets may not be particularly interesting, but presumably other people's are. And if you can't keep those secrets, then we have big problems. Alternatively, we need just to tell everybody our secrets at all times. So there's no vulnerability. Like everybody should know everything at all times. And that way there's nothing, there's nothing to break into. There's nothing to get because it's already accessible. So you kind of have to live your life as one of those two things. It's completely, perfectly open at all times. Everybody has your passwords. Everybody has your credit card numbers. Everybody has your bank account numbers. And that's just how you live. No vulnerability there. Obviously, you won't have much money when it's over, but <laughs> there's no reason for anyone to do anything more to you because you're already you've already you've already removed all the vulnerability. It's already gone. Um, or you need to have the proper defenses to protect you yourself at whatever level makes economic sense. 
No, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for explaining that because you really made you made it seem like, you know, you can be a billionaire or you can be a common Joe. At the end of the day, we all have something that we want to protect. We all have something that we know that, like you said, is a secret. You know, we all have secrets. No one's no one's free from that even if you have a boring life you have a boring life because you did something to want to have a boring life you know what mm-hmm. i mean or you've been exposed to something or you've seen something that you that you can't unlive or unsee and you now are traumatized and so you live a boring life so mm-hmm. it's it's every no one's exempt for that and i guess it just shows the curiosity and the the moment and uh, not the momentum uh i guess the 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 realness the realness of what what hackers can really do to you if if you really give them the opportunity like no there i mean to be honest if you say that you're a hacker it's an automatic like red flag for anybody around you because it's like oh shit they can do things that not the common person can do. They can get into things that not the common person can get into. You know, like those are like the inspector gadgets. I can see everything anywhere and everywhere, you know? So those, I mean, as soon as you say, I'm going to send it to my, all my hackers friend. I mean, come on, I would have been scared too. Like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, what secrets I'm, else I'm hiding, but goodness, what you can come up with is anything nowadays. You know, AIs have created scenarios that never even happen. I mean, a hacker can easily go in and create another scenario and make it all happen. It, it's a tense world and it depends on, like you said, your situation and the severity and cybersecurity is a very interesting topic and it seems like we all need to be secure with what we put on online because now everything's online you know everything's mm-hmm. online we put everyone puts all their tea online i don't but i know a lot of people do and it's kind of crazy seeing all, all their business so it's like you said i guess they're the ones that are having everything open go ahead the, the credit card is probably already out there because those are the people that I just got a new credit card and they show it off to everybody like why would you do that it makes Mm -hmm. me so upset but um I don't want to to have us get cut off here um what would be some lasting words that you can possibly leave my audience with today so that you really think about this differently even though you already gave us so much to think about believe me (laughs) you're gonna make me leave here and be like goodness what do I need to close and what do I need to fix and how do I need it you know you're really making me think about this so what other words can you leave us off with so we can truly think about this well on on the consumer side I would say there's just a couple things you really need to think about Number one is second factor authentication whenever you can. I know it's kind of a pain, but it really does make a hacker's job far more difficult. Number two, try not to use the same password over and over again. Uh, Try to use different passwords because if they compromise one, they'll try that same password everywhere and then they'll get into everything if you're using the same password. Um, It's a simple thing, but it it is pretty meaningful. Uh, And then lastly, I'd say, Try not to put your entire life online if you can. Uh, Some people, they just kind of have to live that way for whatever reason. It's part of their job. But um, if possible, avoiding putting all of that information online will definitely improve um, the likelihood of if the thing gets compromised, your data won't be there in the first place. So there's nothing nothing to compromise because it's just not there. Um, this is one of the biggest problems that large enterprises have is they collect everything. They're like, yes, we want more and more data, usually for advertising reasons uh, or marketing reasons, but 
ultimately just that entire thing shouldn't be there at all or should be very anonymized or shouldn't be logged in that way, should be much more protected, but they treat it fairly cavalier. So it's really up to you as a consumer to decide, I'm not going to give this person everything. Like, I'm not going to give them my real birthday. Why do they need that? I'm not going to give them my mother's real maiden name. They shouldn't have that. That's not that's not useful for them to have my real mother's maiden name. So as long as you keep it organized and you know who you lied to about what, <laughs> what you said... Uh, they will still respond and say, okay, you are the person we're trying to communicate with. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part is remembering who you lie to and remembering certain passwords for certain ones. And I think that's the problem is that we get so comfortable with just having that being so convenient and just having one password for everything, one email address for everything, an easy one-step verification, you know, those type of things. People get irritated just by verifying that they're not a robot. You know, I've heard so many times where people mm-hmm. are like, why would you think I'm a robot? But, you know, it's it's those steps that truly do make a difference and I can see that. And it's funny because my question, one of my questions that I wrote down was about the passwords and you wrote it and you said it at the end. So I guess I was right. You know, if, I just... if you're gonna if you're gonna pick a password, try to pick a long one. So like a poem or a uh, oh, wow. a lyric or a lyric of a of a song you like or um, like a like a number of words just that you think are kind of cool sounding together. Um, something that long. And because it turns out even if you have all uppercase and lowercase and special characters and whatever, but it's very short, it's still very easy for a bad guy to compromise. Mm -hmm. But if it's long, even if it's just written English language, just like you and I are talking right now, that is wildly, wildly more complex. Like a 20, 30, 40 character password is computationally impossible for for a hacker to brute force. Wow, that's interesting. Because yeah, I know nowadays before they had, before they they required to do the one upper, one lower, special character eight, eight altogether or nine. Um, I was already doing that, but now that it's now that that's a requirement, I felt like man, I need to switch it up. But now you're saying like write a whole sentence, <laughs> like I love blueberries, like. <laughs> Maybe no. maybe slightly longer than that, maybe four words. Uh, but yeah, I love blue blueberries or something. You know, it's, it's got a little bit more girth to it, a little length. Uh, that will make it computationally much more difficult. And it doesn't have to be the same password. Uh, let's say uh, you're connecting to PayPal or something or whatever it is. It's like, I love PayPal blueberries. And so now the password is different every single time. So if they inject it multiple times, it's different. Um, so there's there's ways to do it without making your brain have to do backflips every single time. Awesome. See, there you go. For the un, for the illiterate people like myself out there that are listening, this is the good information that we need. I swear, this is some great information that we needed. Thank you so much because Absolutely. this has been on the back of my mind and you coming on my show and, give, and dropping all of this bomb knowledge, just atomic knowledge bomb everywhere. <laughs> it has been great, great information. Thank you so much for coming on my Thanks show. Thanks for having and, me, you're very welcome. And if anybody's interested in Robert and wanting to know more, he actually runs his own podcast and it's actually has a lot of great deep con- um, conversations with other guests and, you know, just real conversations, you know, like myself, if you're, if you're listening to my show and you like our deep conversations, you are going to like Robert because he has very 
deep intellectual conversations with some amazing individuals and I've listened to some and you're not going to be disappointed. So go check him out. It's on my website and you'll find his lovely photo there. Click it and you get straight to it and you'll be able to find all access to Robert's. And that's it. That's the show, y'all. Always, always, always keep thinking and be safe out there. Bye.